Chapter Twenty Four of Delorme by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Four. The chamber in which we were now placed was not an unpleasant one, nor was it ill furnished. It had probably been heretofore occupied by some of the inferior officers on duty at the arsenal, and there were still to be seen hanging up above the bed a headpiece and pair of gauntlets of steel and an unloaded musketoon the walls which were entirely destitute of hangings were however ornamented with sundry curious carvings the occupation possibly of many an idle hour representing battles and tournaments and bull-fights wherein neither perspective nor anatomy had been very much consulted and mingled with these rare designs appeared various ciphers and initials together with christian names both male and female in great profusion the windows of the apartment were little better than loopholes with a strong iron bar down the centre they possessed however a view over the whole of the lower part of the city and being situated in the south-western side of the principal corps de logis of the arsenal faced the inner gate communicating with the town and commanded both the inner and outer walls with a part of the counterscarp and glacis on approaching one of these scanty apertures to reconnoitre the objects which surrounded the palace of our detention i heard a party of soldiers conversing under the windows and stopping the babbling of little achilles by a motion of my hand i listened to gain any information that i could considering my present situation as one of the very few in which eavesdropping was not only justifiable but necessary they were merely speaking however of some military movements which had just taken place by order of the viceroy for quelling the insurrection at lerida and they did not at all scruple to censure their commander in their discourse for detaching so great a force from barcelona at a moment it might be required to overawe the city this conversation soon ceased and after some coarse vituperation of the catalonians they separated and i heard no more notwithstanding their departure i continued to stand at the window as if i was still listening in order to collect and arrange my own thoughts uninterrupted by the merciless tongue of my attendant who now having recovered his speech of which fright had deprived him for a time seemed resolved to make up by redoubled loquacity for the time he had been obliged to waste in silence i had in truth much to think of the whole circumstances which had lately happened to me as well as my present situation would have afforded sufficient matter for reflection but nevertheless the news which i had heard from the viceroy concerning the chevalier de montenero engaged my thoughts perhaps more than all the rest and made me look upon the chance which brought me to barcelona rather than to any other spanish town and even my detention there as rather fortunate than otherwise notwithstanding all the unpleasant circumstances by which it had been accompanied i doubted not for an instant that however the chevalier might be prepossessed against me in some respects he would instantly do me justice in the matter of the present charge and show the viceroy that it was impossible i could be guilty which none could know better than himself at the same time the knowledge that i had now obtained of his not being spanish by birth freed me at once from the difficulty under which i had before laboured and left me at liberty to exculpate myself from every circumstance which had before appeared suspicious to his eyes 
without violating my promise to the unfortunate corregidor of saragossa after considering these points for a minute or two i applied myself to calculate how long it would take him to arrive at barcelona supposing that he travelled with all speed from the place where i last saw him and i judged that passing by bagnères and venasque he might have already arrived as i doubted not that when he left lourdes he had directed his course immediately towards spain nothing did i long for more ardently than his coming not alone from the desire of obtaining my liberation but because i longed to re-establish myself in his good opinion i longed to be near one that i esteemed and loved to confide in him all my thoughts my feelings my sorrows my regrets to tell him my own tale to ask for consolation and to seek for advice and certainly never never did i feel so much as at that moment the desolate solitariness of man when with none to aid him he stands in the midst of sorrow and misfortune by himself with all his follies and his weaknesses i will own i had even clung to the society of the little player merely because it was something human that seemed to attach itself to me and while he was near i did not appear so totally abandoned to myself and my evil fate but when i thought of the coming of the chevalier of clearing myself from all suspicions regaining his regard and walking by his counsel my heart was lightened of half its load and i felt as if i had again entered within the magic circle of hope that had long been shut against me while i was thus reflecting the door of the chamber opened and the viceroy's favourite negro slave entered followed by a servant loaded with various kinds of viands and a flask of wine the servant put his burden down on the table and withdrew but the negro remained and shutting the door invited me in a civil tone to partake of the provisions which his excellence had ordered to be brought me my lord the viceroy said he has given me in charge to see that you be hospitably treated and i have pleasure in the task young sir for i hope through your means to rouse my master to a just sense of the oppression which these poor catalonians suffer from the unruly and insolent soldiers there was something in this speech so different from what might be expected in a negro slave and a favourite that i did him the wrong of suspecting that he wished to entrap me into some avowal of opinions contrary to the viceroy's government and i therefore replied you must know more of the subject than i do i have been but three days in catalonia and therefore have had but little opportunity of judging whether the people be oppressed or not even if i had any interest in the matter interest spoke like a white man muttered the black to himself ah young sir young sir if you had known oppression as i have you would find an interest in every one you saw oppressed i should have imagined replied i still doubting him though i own most unworthily that your situation was as happy a one as well might be and that your service on his excellence the viceroy was not very oppressive he laid his jet-black finger upon the rich golden bracelet that surrounded his arm think you asked he that that chain because it happens to be gold does not weigh as heavily as if it were of iron it does i tell you frenchman it does true i am slave to the best of masters the noblest of lords true if i were free this moment i would dedicate my life to serve him but still i am a slave 
still i have been torn from my home and my native land still i have been injured wronged oppressed and every one i see injured every one i see wronged becomes my fellow and my brother but you understand not that i do my good friend more than you think replied i convinced by the earnestness of his manner that what he said was genuine whether you do or not said he there is one principle on which you will understand me you can fancy that i love my benefactor i love him but i also know his faults he is of a soft and idle humour so that his virtues like jewels cast upon a quicksand are lost unknown and swallowed up his idleness is a disease of the body not a defect of the mind though the mind suffers for the fault of the body and so much does he value repose that nothing seems to him of sufficient importance to embitter its sweetness fearless as a lion of death or of danger he is a very coward when opposed to trouble and fatigue he is just honourable and wise but this invincible apathy of nature has brought him to the brink of a precipice over which he would sooner fall than make one strong effort to save himself for two years he has governed catalonia and during those two all the reports of the brute soldiery have been believed few of the complaints of the injured peasants have reached him those few have been through me for the guards and his officers who all join in the pillage of the people take care to cut him off from every other source of information thus the soldiers have heaped wrong upon wrong till the people will bear no more till at lerida at tarragona over half the country in short they are already in revolt barcelona still remains quiet and by the exertion of proper authority by showing the catalonians that the viceroy will do equal justice between them and the soldiery that in future he will be the defender of their rights and liberties the province his government perhaps even his life may be saved for this object when the news reached him last night of the insurrection at lerida and at the same time the charge against you i persuaded him to examine you himself without the presence of his officers or his council you answered wisely and saved yourself when next he shall examine you do more answer nobly and save him and perhaps a whole people tell him the oppression you have seen tell him the murmurs you have heard aid me to stir him up to exertion and you may if it be not too late avert the evils that are gathering round so thickly i will willingly do what you wish replied i but i fear unless he can send one obnoxious regiment after another out of catalonia and supply their place with troops whose discipline is more strict and who have not yet made themselves abhorred by the populace then your viceroy will do but little to allay this fermentation among the people the negro shook his head they will never be changed said he while olivares the count duke governs both spain and the king why did he send them here first he knew them to be the worst disciplined the most cruel turbulent rapacious troops that all spain contained but he wished to punish the catalonians for holding a junta on one of his demands and he sent them these locusts as a scourge however i have your promise before night the count will send for you again he will ask you what rumours you heard how the castilian troops were looked upon by the people and other questions to the same effect conceal nothing 
let him hear the truth from your lips at least will you do so i will replied i decidedly then fare you well said the negro and fall to your meat with the consciousness of doing what is noble and right and thus saying he left the chamber good faith monseigneur said little achilles who had already settled upon the basket of provisions and was making considerable progress through the contents i could not resist this charming sight had you been the king and my master into the bargain i must have fallen too hunger like love levels all conditions you did right my good achilles replied i but hold a moment i must join the party and sitting down with my little attendant i aided him to conclude what he had so happily begun the wine-flask succeeded and we neither of us spared it proceeding to the bottom with very equal steps for though as his lord achilles always conceded to me two draughts for his one he found means to compensate for this forbearance by making his draught twice as long as mine indeed when the bottle reached his mouth for the negro had supplied us with no cup the matter became hopeless so long did he point it at the sky during one of these deep draughts which occupied him so entirely that he neither heard nor saw anything else a distant shout reached my ear and then all was silent there was something ominous in the sound for it contained a very different tone from that which bursts from a crowd on any occasion of mirth or rejoicing it was a cry somewhat mingled of horror and hate at least my fancy lent it such a character at the same time i heard the soldiers in the court below running out to the gates as if they had been disturbed by the same sound and went to inquire into its cause little achilles had not heard it so deeply was he engaged in the worship of the purple god and the moment he dismissed the bottle he recommenced his attack upon a fine piece of mountainous mutton which still remained in the basket but in a moment or two his attention was called by a renewal of the shouts and by the various exclamations of the soldiers in the court from which we gathered that most unhappily some new outrage had been offered to the people who encouraged probably by the news of a revolt at lerida had resisted and were even then engaged with the soldiery let them fight it out cried my companion encouraged by the good viands and still better wine of the viceroy let them fight it out by my great namesake's immortal deeds methinks i could push a pike against one of those base soldados myself pray heaven the peasants cut them up into mincemeat but while you look out of the window monseigneur i will lie down and in imitation of that most wise animal an ox will ruminate for some short while after my dinner as he said i had placed myself at the window and while he cast himself on the bed and i believe fell asleep i continued to watch the various streets within the range of my sight to discover if i could the event of the tumult the shouts and cries of which were still to be heard varying in distance and direction as if the crowds from which they proceeded were rapidly changing their place after a moment or two some musket shots were heard mingling with the outcry and then a whole platoon a louder shout than ever succeeded and then again a deep silence in the meanwhile several officers came running at all speeds to the arsenal and in a few minutes two or three small bodies of troops marched out proceeding up a long street of which i had a view almost in its whole length about half-way up the soldiers defiled down another street to the right 
and I lost sight of them. The shouts, however, still continued, rising and falling with occasional discharges of musketry, but in general the noise seemed to me farther off than it had been at first. Shortly it began to come rapidly near, growing louder and louder, and straining my eyes in the direction in which the tumult seemed to lie, I beheld a party of the populace driven across the long street I have mentioned by a body of pikemen. The Catalonians were evidently fighting desperately, but the superior skill of the troops prevailed, and the undisciplined mob was borne back at the point of the pike, notwithstanding an effort to make a stand at the crossing of the streets. This first success of the military, however, did not absolutely infer that their ascendancy would be permanent. The tumult was but begun, and far from being a momentary effervescence of popular feeling, which, commencing with a few, is only increased by the accession of idlers and vagabonds, this was the pouring forth of long-suppressed indignation, the uprising of a whole people to work retribution on the heads of their oppressors, and every moment might be expected to bring fresh combatants, excited by the thirst of vengeance, and animated by the hope of liberty. All was now bustle and activity in the arsenal. The gates were shut, the soldiers under arms, the officers called together, the walls manned, and from the court below the stirring sounds of military preparations rose up to the windows at which I stood, telling that the pressing danger of the circumstances had at length roused the viceroy from his idle mood, and that he was now taking all the means which a good officer might to put down the insurrection that his negligence had suffered to break out. From time to time I caught the calm, full tones of his voice, giving a number of orders and directions, now ordering parties of soldiers to issue forth and support their comrades, commanding at the same time that they should advance up the several streets which bore upon the arsenal, taking especial care that their retreat was not cut off, and that a continual communication should be kept up, pointing out to their inferior officers where to establish posts, so as to best guard their flanks and avoid the dangers of advancing through the streets of the city where every house might be considered as an enemy's fort, and finally directing that in such and such conjectures certain flags should be raised on the steeple of the various churches, thus establishing a particular code of signals for the occasion. In the meanwhile the tumult in the city increased, the firing became more continuous, the bells of the churches mingled their clang with the rest, and the struggle was evidently growing more and more fierce, as fresh combatants poured in on either party. At length I saw an officer riding down the opposite street at full speed, and dashing into the arsenal, the gates of which opened to give him admission. He seemed to approach the viceroy, whose voice I instantly heard, demanding, "'Well, Don Ferdinand, where are the cavalry? Why have you not brought up the men-at-arms?' "'Because it was impossible,' replied the officer. "'The rebels, your excellence, have set fire to the stables.' Not a horse would move, even after Don Antonio Molina had dispersed the traitors that did it. Not ten horses have been saved. What is to be done, my lord? Return instantly, answered the viceroy promptly. Collect your men-at-arms, bid them fight on foot for the honour of Castile, for the safety of the province, for their own lives. Marshal them in two bodies. Let one march by the Plaza Nueva down to the port, and the other by the Calle de la Cruz to the Larida gate. 
"'I am sorry to say the Lurida Gate is in the possession of the rebels,' replied the officer. "'A large body of peasants, well armed and mounted, attacked it and drove in the soldiers half an hour ago. "'They come from Lurida itself, as we learn by the shouts of the others.' "'The more need to march on it instantly,' replied the viceroy. "'See, the flag is up on the Church of the Assumption. "'Don Francisco is there, with part of the second Tercia. "'Divide, as I have said, send your brother down with one body to the port. "'With the other, join Don Francisco at the Church of the Assumption. "'Take the two brass cannon from the Barrier Nuevo, "'and march upon the gate of Lerida. "'Drive back the revels, or die.' "'The viceroy's orders were given like lightning.' and turning his horse the officer rode away with equal speed to execute them i marked him as he dashed through the gates of the arsenal and a more soldier-like man i never saw he galloped fast over the drawbridge and through the second gate crossed the open space between the arsenal and the houses of the town and darted up the street by which he had come when suddenly a flash and some smoke broke from the window of a house as he passed i saw him reel in the saddle catch at his horse's mane and fall headlong to the ground, while the charger, freed from his load, ran wildly up the street till he was out of sight. The sentinel on the counterscarp had seen the officers fall, and instantly passed the news to the viceroy. "'Pedro Marona!' cried the count promptly. "'Quick, mount, and bear the same orders to Don Antonio Molina. Take the Calais de la Paz, quick! One way or another we lose our most precious moments.' Don Ferdinando should have seen his corslet was better tempered. However, let half a dozen men be sent out to bring him in. Perhaps he may not yet be dead. The gates of the arsenal were thrown open accordingly, and a small party carrying a board to bring home the body issued out. But they had scarcely proceeded halfway to the spot where the officer had fallen, when the sound of the tumult, the firing, the cheers, the cries, the screams, mingled in one terrific roar rolled nearer and nearer a single soldier then appeared in full flight in the long street on which my eyes were fixed another followed and another a shout louder than all the rest rang up to the sky and rolling and rushing like the billows of a troubled ocean came pouring down the streets a large body of the castilian soldiery urged on by an immense mass of armed peasantry with whom the first rank of the castilians was mingled Though some of the soldiers were still fighting man to man with the Catalonians, the mass were evidently flying as fast as the nature of the circumstances would permit, crashing and pressing over each other, and many more must have been trampled to death by the feet of their comrades than fell by the swords of their enemies. In the meanwhile the pursuers, the greater part of whom were on horseback, continued spurring their horses into the disorderly mass of the fugitives, hewing them down on every side with the most remorseless vengeance while from the houses on each hand a still more dreadful and less noble sort of warfare was carried on against the flying soldiery scarce a house but one or two of its windows began to flash with musketry raining a tremendous shower of balls upon the head of the unfortunate castilians who jammed up in the small space of a narrow street had no room either to avoid their own fate or avenge their fellows just then however the pursuers received a momentary check from the cannon of the arsenal some of which being placed sufficiently high for the balls to fall amidst the mass of peasantry without taking effect upon the nearer body of the flying soldiers began to operate as a diversion in favour of the fugitives 
the very sound caused several of the horsemen to halt at that moment my eye fell upon the figure of garcias the smuggler at the head of the peasantry cheering them on but by his gestures appearing to tell them that those who would escape the cannonballs must close upon those for whose safety they were fired that now was the moment to make themselves masters of the arsenal and that if they would but follow close they would force their way in with the flying soldiers so animated so vehement was his gesticulation that there hardly needed words to render his wishes comprehensible the panic however though but momentary allowed sufficient time for greater part of the soldiers to throw themselves into the arsenal some indeed being again mingled with the peasantry were shut out and slaughtered to a man the rest prepared to make good the very defensible post they now possessed knowing well that mercy was a word they had themselves blotted out from the language of their enemies in the meanwhile my little companion achilles had evinced much more courage than i had anticipated whether it was that he found or rather fancied greater security in the walls of the arsenal or whether it was that necessity produced the same change in his nature that being in a corner is said to effect upon a cat or whether the quantity of wine which he had drunk had conveyed with itself an equal portion of valour i do not know but certain it is that he lay quite quiet for the greater part of the time without attempting to creep under the bed and only took the precaution of wrapping the bolster around his head to deaden the sound of the cannon once he even rose and approaching the other window stood upon tiptoes to take a momentary glance at what was proceeding without the scene he beheld however was no way encouraging and he instantly retreated to the bed and settled himself once more comfortably amongst the clothes after having drained the last few drops of wine that remained in the flask it may easily be supposed that the viceroy was not particularly anxious to spare the houses of a town which had shown itself so genuinely inimical and consequently every cannon which could be brought to bear upon the point where the insurgents were principally collected was kept in constant activity and the dreadful havoc which they made began to be evident both amongst the insurgents and upon the houses round about garcias however who was now evidently acting as commander-in-chief of the populace was prompt to remedy all the difficulties of his situation and animating and encouraging the peasantry by his voice his gestures and his example he kept alive the spirit which had hitherto carried them on such great deeds it is not to be imagined that any regular fascines should have been prepared by the peasantry for the assault of the arsenal but they had with them six small pieces of cannon which they had taken and which they hastily brought against the gate the murderous fire however both of cannon and musketry kept up upon the only point where they could have any effect would have prevented the possibility of working them had not the fire of the arsenal itself by demolishing the wall of one of the houses opposite discovered the inside of a wool warehouse for scenes were no longer wanting the immense wool-packs were instantly brought forward and arranged by the orders of garcias into as complete a traverse as could have been desired supported from behind by the stones of the street which the insurgents threw up with pickaxes and spades their position now being much more secure a movement took place amongst the people 
and while garcias with a considerable body continued to ply the principal gate with his battery two large masses of the insurgents moved off on either hand and presently after reappeared at the entrance of the various streets which surrounded the arsenal rolling before them their wool-packs which put them in comparative security it was evident that a general attack was soon to be expected and exerting himself with an activity of which i had not thought him capable the viceroy put himself forward in every situation of danger from time to time i caught a glimpse of his figure toiling commanding assisting and slackening not in his activity though the marks of excessive fatigue were sufficiently evident in his countenance of course the gate could not long resist the continued fire of the insurgents battery and as soon as it gave way upon some signal which i did not perceive the whole mass of the peasantry poured forth from every street and advancing steadily upon the most tremendous fire from the guns of the arsenal ran up the glacis and easily effected a lodgment in the counterscarp with the wool-packs the moment was one of excessive interest and i was gazing from the window marking with anxiety every turn of a scene that possessed all the sublime of horror and danger and excited passion when i heard a step behind me and a cry from my little friend achilles which instantly made me turn my head i had but time to see the spanish soldier who had accused me to the viceroy with his broadsword raised over my head and to spring aside when the blow fell with such force as to dash a piece out of the solid masonry of the window-frame by the eyes of saint geronimo cried the man thou shalt not escape me though i die this day thou shalt go half an hour before me and darting forward he raised his weapon to aim another blow at my head unarmed as i was my only chance was to rush in upon him and getting within his guard render the struggle one of mere personal strength and making a feint as if i would leap aside again i took advantage of a movement of his hand and cast myself into his chest with my full force he gave way sooner than i expected and we both went down but somehow though in general a good wrestler certainly infinitely stronger than my adversary and though at first also i was uppermost i soon lost my advantage i believe it was that in attempting to place my knee on his breast it slipped from off his corslet flinging me forward so that my balance being lost he easily cast me off and set his own knee upon me his sword he had let fall but he drew his long poniard and threw back his arm to plunge it into my bosom when suddenly he received a tremendous blow on the side of the head which dashed him prostrate on the floor and to my surprise and astonishment i saw little achilles in the person of my deliverer my pressing danger had communicated to his bosom a spark of generous courage which he had never before felt and seizing the unloaded musketoon he had come up behind my adversary and dealt him the blow which had proved my salvation nor did he stop there for what with joy and excitement at his success and fear that our enemy should recover from his stupefaction which the blow had caused he continued to belabour his head and face with strokes of the musketoon with a silent vehemence and rapidity which not all my remonstrances could stop even after the man was evidently dead he continued to reiterate blow upon blow sometimes pausing and looking at him with eyes in which horror and fear and excitement were all visible 
and then adding another and another stroke as i have often seen a dog after he has killed a rat or any other noisome animal every now and then start back and look at him and then give it another bite and another till he has left it scarce a vestige of its original form seizing his arm however during one of these pauses i begged him to cease and would have fain called his attention by thanking him for his timely aid but the little man could not yet overcome the idea that his enemy might still get up and take vengeance on him for the unheard-of daring which he had exercised let him kill me monseigneur let him kill me cried he don't you see he moves look look and with straining eyes he struggled forward to make quite sure that his victory wanted nothing of completion by adding another blow to those he had already given he will never move again achilles replied i spare your blows for you'd bestow them on a dead man as well as he merited his fate had we not better tie his hands at least cried the little player he lies still enough too only think of my having killed a man i shall be a brave man for the rest of my life but if i had not killed him you would have been lying there as still as he is i expressed my gratitude as fully as i could but objected to the proposal of tying a dead man's hands no doubt indeed could remain of his being no longer in a state to endanger any one for having no helmet on at the time he entered the very first blow of the musketoon must have nearly stunned him and several of the after ones had driven in his skull in various places it is probable that having been kept in confinement by the order of the viceroy he had been liberated at the moment the danger became pressing and that instead of presenting himself where he might do his duty his first care had been to seek the means of gratifying his revenge no doubt attributing to me the punishment he had received such an event as my death in the confusion and danger of the circumstances he most probably imagined would pass unnoticed and no one at all events could prove that it had been committed by his hands whether his comrade who had been placed as sentinel at the door where we were confined had been removed for the more active defence of the place or whether he had connived at the entrance of the assassin i know not but at all events if he was there he must have been an accomplice and consequently would not have betrayed his fellow such however was a strange fate for a daring and ferocious man to fall by the hands of one of the meekest cowards that ever crept quietly through existence and yet i have often remarked that bad actions the most boldly undertaken and the best designs often nay most frequently fall back upon the head of their projectors repelled from their intended course by something petty unexpected or despised End of chapter twenty four